Hi, everybody. Carla here, and welcome back to another episode of Carla Reads the Classics. I hope you enjoyed the last novel, Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities. It was a rather long book, but I do hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. And that last chapter, just incredible, right? In any case, let's continue. Let's move on with Ernest J. Gaines' A Gathering of Old Men. And a little bit about Mr. Gaines. He is the author of several books, which have uh, several of which have been turned into movies. Uh, he's the author of the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman. Uh, he has another, um, several other uh, very prominent works um, in My Father's House of Love and Dust, Bloodline, uh, just to name a few. And uh, about a gathering of old men, if I could read. Uh, Just a quick little um, review from the Philadelphia Inquirer about this novel. It was written by David Bradley. Again, this is from the Philadelphia Inquirer. He calls A Gathering of Old Men a fine novel. He says, there is a denouement that will shock and move readers as much as it does the characters and a multiplicity of themes that raises a simple tale to grand significance. Let's get started and see if you agree. A Gathering of Old Men. Segment 1. It's called George Eliot Jr., a.k.a. Snookum. I heard Candy out in the front yard calling Grandma. Me and Toddy and Minnie were sitting at the table eating, and Grandma was at the stove looking in the pot to see if she had enough food left in there for supper. I could hear Candy out in the yard going... Oh, Aunt Glow! Oh, Aunt Glow! Oh, Aunt Glow! I jumped up from my chair to go see what she wanted, but Grandma told me to sit back down there and finish my food because my name wasn't Glow or Aunt. She looked at me long enough for it to set in. Then she started toward the front door where Candy was still going, Oh, Aunt Glow! Aunt Glow! Oh, Aunt Glow! Old Toddy with his snagged teeth self looked at me and grinned because he thought Grandma had hurt my feelings when she told me to sit back down. I checked one of my fists, but he knowed I couldn't hit him because he had already caught me and many playing Mama and Papa in the weeds and he told me I had a year when I couldn't do nothing to him no matter what he did to me and if I did, he was going to tell Grandma what he caught us doing. He told me he could grin at me all he wanted to, and he could hit me and kick me and pinch me in church or home. He didn't care. And he could steal my cake if he wanted to, or my candy if I had any, and he could lose all his marbles to me, and I better not take them back, and I better not gig his spinning top when we played gigging, because if I did, he was going to tell Grandma what what he saw me and Minnie trying to do in the weeds. He said it was going to be like that a whole year, if I liked it or not. It started just before Candy started calling Grandma, because we had just come in to eat dinner when I heard her calling out there in the yard. I heard Candy saying, Snookum in there? At the the table eating, what's the matter, Candy? Grandma said. Get Snookum out here, Candy said. Snookum did something wrong? Grandma asked her. Hurry, Uncle Glow, Candy said. Snookum? Grandma called me. Oh, Toddy and Minnie jumped up too, and Grandma looked over her shoulder and said, Get back in there and eat them turnips. I called Snookum. How come Snookum don't have to eat his turnips? Toddy said. 
how come just me and Minnie got to eat turnips? Because I called him, Grandma said. Now get back in there and finish them turnips. I ain't no turnip-eating machine, Toddy said. You better turn into one before I get back in the kitchen, Grandma said. Snookum, Candy want to talk to you. Toddy, you and Minnie finish them turnips, Grandma said. Snookum can act a fool and laugh at me out there, Toddy said, but he know I got something on him. Candy was standing in the yard close to the steps when I came out on the Gary. She wore a white shirt and khaki pants and brown shoes with little gold buckles. Her hair was light brown and dark brown and cut short, almost short like a man's hair. Come here, Snookum, she said. I jumped down on the ground where she was and she grabbed me by the shoulders with both hands. She leaned over and brought her face close to mine and her eyes, the color of blue smoke, looked wild and scared. I was thinking I had done something wrong and she was mad at me for it. Now listen, she said. I want you to run and I don't want you to stop running. I want you to go tell Ruth and Reverend Jameson and Corrine and the rest of them to gather at Matthew's house right away. And I want you to go to the front and I want you to listen to me good now, she said, squeezing my shoulders and hurting me a little bit. Go up and go to the house and see if Miss Merle's there. If she is, tell her I say come quick. No, if she's there, tell her to call Lou and tell Lou to get here quick. Then she can get here quick. If she's not there, tell Janie to call her and Lou and tell them to get here quick. Don't waste time on that phone talking. Just get here quick. Don't do nothing but get here quick. You heard what I said, Snookum? What I'm telling all them people to get here quick for? I asked her. That's none of your business, Snookum. You're nothing but a little boy. Now get moving and don't stop running. I shot out of the yard. When I hit the road, I saw the tractor in front of Matthew's house. The motor was running. I could hear it. I could see the smoke. But Charlie wasn't on the tractor. He had two big loads of cane hitched to the back of the tractor, but he wasn't on the tractor. On the other side of the road, in front of Matthew's house, I could see Candy's big black car shining in the sun. I know Candy didn't tell me to tell Matthew anything, but looked to me like since all them other people was gathering at his house, looked to me like he ought to know what's going on too. So when I came up even with his house, I ran in the yard and that's when I seen Bo. Bo was laying over there in the weeds, all bloody. Get away from there, boy. Matthew hollered at me from the Gary. I'm doing something for Candy, I said. You ain't doing nothing for her there, he said. Now get away from there. Matthew was squatting against the wall with that double barrel shotgun in his arms. He had on that old gray hat that was the color of the ground. He had on a dirty white t-shirt and green pants. He was smoking a cigarette. Matthew was black, black with a white beard. Candy want everybody at your house, I told him. Is that what she want? You better go and do it, he said. Now get away from there. I looked back at that tractor. The motor was still running. I looked back at Matthew squatting against the wall. Where Charlie? I said. How come he ain't driving that tractor? That's none of your business, Matthew said. Get out of this yard and get out fast or I'll come out there and tear your butt with the switch. Matthew started getting up and I shot out of there, headed up the quarter, spanking my butt the way you spank a horse when you want him to run fast. Ruth was hoeing in the garden when I got to his house. 
The garden was behind the house, and you could always hear Ruth back there working and singing. When I told him what Candy had said, he looked at me a second like he was trying to figure out what Candy wanted him for. Then all of a sudden, he threw the hoe down and started running. I yanked my horse around and shot out too, headed up the quarters. I figured this time of day, Corinne was in her kitchen eating, so I didn't bother to knock on the front door. I just ran through the house to the back in the kitchen. She was sitting on the, on the table. She was sitting at the table, eating greens and rice out of a pan, eating all by herself. She didn't have no children or a husband. She was just by herself, eating and looking out the back door. When I told her what Candy had said, she, she turned slowly to look at me, and her eyes was all brownish and tired looking. She didn't say a thing, didn't say, uh-huh, or nothing. Just looked old and tired looking, eating on her front teeth, looking old and tired looking. I turned around and shot out of there, spanking my butt the way you spank a horse when you want that horse to run fast. Reverend Jameson had just come out of the house when I ran in his yard. Me and Reverend Jameson didn't get along too good. He was always getting on me, saying I should be in the church serving the Lord instead of shooting marbles and playing ball. I told him what Candy had said, and he looked down the quarters, but he couldn't see a thing from here for all the weeds. For he could ask me anything, I had already turned and was headed up the quarters. I wasn't going in the people's yards anymore. I was just hollering to the people from out in the road. I didn't see half the people I was hollering at. I didn't even know if they was home. You had too much weeds and bushes even to see the houses sometime. I just hollered names, running, spanking my butt, and hollering names. Candy won't y'all at Matthew's house. Candy won't y'all at Matthew's house. Candy won't y'all at Matthew's house. When I came up to Marshall House, I was tired and I could just barely make it across the pasture up to the flower garden. I didn't go in. I called Janie from the gate, just calling and calling her. It took her a long time to come out of the Gary and she came out there fussing. What's the matter with you, boy? She said to me. Don't you know the major and Miss B in there trying to sleep? Candy sent me, I said. She didn't tell you to wake up the dead, did she? Janie looked at me a good while before she came down the steps. She had on a white dress and white shoes and an apron. She was as heavy as Grandma, but not as old as Grandma and not as light as Grandma. While she took her own good time coming to the gate, I looked at a couple of butterflies flitting around the flowers in the corner of the yard. Home, the butterflies wouldn't have had a chance, but I know Janie would have killed me if she even thought I was thinking about coming in the yard. What's the matter with you? She said at the gate. Candy wants you to call Lou, I said. You say Mr. Lou and you say Miss Candy, Janie said, looking down at me from the other side of the gate. I don't care how liberal they is. You still a child. You say Mr. and Miss around me. You ain't too old for me to tan your butt, you know. Miss Merle in there? I asked her. No, she ain't, Janie said. Guess you'll have to do then. I said. Thank you, sir, Janie said, looking over the gate at me. I appreciates that. Call Lou, I said. Tell him Candy want him here right away and call Miss Merle. And what I just told you no more than a minute ago about saying Mr. and Miss round me? She looked at me hard a long time. That's how they do when they want you to remember something. 
What Candy want with them down in the quarters? She asked me. Something to do with Matthew and Bo. Bo laying on his back in Matthew's yard and Matthew squatting there with his shotgun. Jamie's face changed quick. She was mad at first. Now she was scared. She pushed that gate open and grabbed me in the collar. That shot I heard? She said, that, that shot I heard. That hurt, I said, jerking away from her. Y'all got any tea cakes or, or plarines in there? Boy, Janie said and raised her hand to hit me. She wasn't mad. She was scared. I ducked out of her way. That's what I heard, she asked again. Now she looked like she wanted to cry. That's the shot I heard? I guess so. I don't know, I said. Now she started whooping. Lord have mercy, Jesus, Lord have mercy. Boy, you know what this mean? Mean Fix coming here with his drove. You too young to know Fix, but I know Fix. She started back to the house. I looked at her through the gate. You getting me some tea cakes? I called to her. Candy didn't pay me nothing to come up here. She didn't answer me, just kept on walking. Now she was wiping her eyes with her apron. Huh? I called to her. I had my face right up against the gate. You getting me some tea cakes or playing? She went back in the house, paid me no more attention than she did than butterflies around that flower. I left the gate and went back on down the quarters. I didn't get a nickel or a tea cake or a playing for running all the way up there, but I still had one thing on old Toddy. He didn't see what I saw. That'll do it for segment one of Ernest Gaines, A Gathering of Old Men. Thank you so much for listening here at Carla Reads the Classics. Please stay tuned for segment two. Let's continue with segment two. This one is called Janice Robinson, a.k.a. Janie. Lord have mercy, Jesus, what now? Where do I turn? Go where first, the major? For what? He's already drunk out there on that front, Gary, and it's just 12 o'clock. Miss B? That's just like talking to the wall. Where? Mr. Lou? Yes, she said call Mr. Lou. Mr. Lou and Miss Merle. I better make it Mr. Lou first. Lord have mercy, keep me on my feet if it is thy holy will. I went in and dialed the paper in Baton Rouge, my finger trembling, just a trembling. When the operator answered, I told her I wanted to speak to Mr. Lou Dimes. She told me that was City and told me to hold on. Then somebody else answered and said, City? Then he said, Toby Wright. I told him I wanted to speak to Mr. Lou Dimes. Lou had dinner right now, he said. Oh, Lord, I said, where? Find him. Hurry. Candy want to hear right away. Please, sir, please. Just hold on, he said. Calm down. He'll be back in a little while. Who am I speaking to? That you, Janie? Yes, sir, it's me, I said. Find him as fast as you can and tell him to get here as fast as he can. He don't have to call. Just get here. And please hurry. Hurry. I was crying so hard when I got through talking to him, I had to wipe my whole face with my apron. Then I dialed Miss Merle, but nobody answered. I let it ring a dozen times, but no answer. Lord Jesus, I told myself, Lord Jesus, help me. I went out on the front, Gary. 
The major was all curled up in the swing, sleeping. His face was resting on the back of his hands, a half glass of watered whiskey on the banister by the swing. Lord Jesus, I thought to myself, it ain't evening yet, and he's already drunk. Lord Jesus, help me. I went back inside and started upstairs to Miss B's room, but halfway up, I remembered she wasn't in her room. She was out in the back pasture. I went to the back door and looked, and there she was, way over yonder, under one of them pecan trees, a little, a little way, way over yonder. Little bitty thing, ain't five foot tall, feeling in all them weeds with a stick for pecans. Lord Jesus, I thought to myself, now, just supposing, just supposing now, a snake or something come up there and bite that old woman in all them weeds. Lord Jesus, I said, help me. Help me if it is thy holy will, Lord Jesus. I went back and dialed Miss Merle's number again, but she still wasn't there. Help me, Lord Jesus, I said. Please help your humbled servant who ain't never done nothing but serve thee well. I went back and looked at the major still curled up there sleeping, snoring now. I got a glass of the watered whiskey and took it back into the kitchen. And while I was there, I looked across the pasture at that old woman out in them weeds looking for pecans with a stick. See? I thought, see, if anything bite that old woman, they'll blame me. Lord Jesus, I said, help me, Lord Jesus, help me. I went back and dialed Miss Merle again, but she still wasn't there. Lord Jesus, I said, help me, Lord Jesus. I went out on the West Gary and looked down the quarters, but you couldn't see a thing down there for all the weeds. Lord Jesus, I said to myself, help me, Lord Jesus. I looked towards the highway, toward the river, because I expected to hear Fix and his drove coming in them trucks with them guns any minute now. Lord Jesus, I said to myself, help me, Lord Jesus. I went back in and dialed Miss Merle again, but she still wasn't home. Lord Jesus, I said, help me, Lord Jesus. I started my dusting again, because that's what I was doing for that boy came up here making all that racket. I hadn't picked up the mop more than 10 minutes when I heard the car drive up in the front yard. I ran out on the front Gary and seen it was Miss Merle and looked like a heavy load just fell off my shoulders. I ran down the steps to meet her in the yard. She was smiling, always smiling, just a good-natured person, the nicest I have ever known. Lord have mercy, I'm so glad you got here, I said. She seen I'd been crying and she stopped smiling. What's the matter? she said. She was a fat lady with a nice round face and had a little pointed nose and a little red mouth and gray eyes. She looked like an owl more than anything else and that's what the people in the quarters called her behind her back, Miss Owl. Something the matter? she asked me. She looked at the major all curled up in the swing. Jack drunk? she said. She looked at the gold watch on her short fat arm. Not even 12.30 yet, she said. I've been calling and calling your house, I told her. I was on my way over here, she said. What's the matter? What happened? Candy, I said. What about Candy? They've been a-killing, I said. What? She said. Her gray eyes looked hard at me, but behind all that hardness, I could see she was scared. Candy, she said. Gnome, Bo, I said. Bo? She said, Candy, Bo, what happened? Bo dead, I said. Candy, she said. I don't know, I said. Where's Candy? 
in the quarters, I said. What's she doing down there? That's where it happened, I said. Matthew's house. Oh my God, my God, she said, and throwed her hand up to her mouth. She looked toward the Gary where the major was curled up in the swing, sleeping. Jack, she called to him. Jack, Jack. He can't hear you, I said. Where's B? Miss Merrill asked me. In the backyard looking for pecans, I said. Miss Merrill, Candy wants you down in the quarters right away. Who else know about this? Miss Merrill asked. Just the people in the quarters, I said. She wanted me to notify you and Mr. Lou, but nobody else. You got Lou? She asked me. He's at dinner, I told her. Oh, shit, she said, and looked toward the Gary again. Jack, Jack, she called. He don't hear you, I said. He's been like that since 11 o'clock. I better get down there, Miss Merle said. She got back in the car. She was so fat she had a hard time doing it. Pray, she said. Pray, Janie. I know she was talking about fixing his drove. Pray, Janie, she said, swinging the car around. She was backing over flowers, over little bushes, little trees, spraying gravel all over the place, all over me too. Pray, she said, going out of the yard. Pray. I went back in the house. She didn't have to tell me to pray. I was doing that long before she got there. And that'll bring us to the end of segment two of Ernest Gaines, A Gathering of Old Men. Thanks for listening. Until next time.